This podcast uses adult language. Listener discretion is advised. This is Kevin. This is Elizabeth. And this is the Lesson 83 podcast. Welcome back, Elizabeth. Thanks, Kevin. Hi. Good to see you again. So we want to talk a little bit today about polyamory and the holidays. Yes. Now, here where we're recording, it's getting close to... The winter holidays. The winter holidays. (laughs) Christmas and all of that jazz. So we wanted to talk a little bit about concerns that might come up during the holidays or things that you might want to consider when you're polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous or in some other sort of non-traditional relationship or lifestyle and how that might impact how you spend time with your family and uh, how you spend time with your partners. Yes. Uh, So I think the number one thing I wanted to start with is the considerations for whether you're going to bring your partners around your family. And Mm -hmm. we'll get into a little bit of the 2020 issues with that (laughs) regarding like COVID and COVID safety. So that'll be coming up later. But just as if this was any other year or that's not a consideration for your circumstances, what should you consider when bringing your partner around to your parents or other family or friend group of choice? Well, I think first, and this is something we touched on before we started recording, the holidays are probably not a good time to decide to come out as polyamorous to your family because everybody's already stressed out anyway, and everybody has the concept of family on their mind in their own head in the sense of like who they consider family, who they consider part of that kind of intimate family unit. And I feel like the holidays are, I agree with you totally, it's not a good time to bring it up if you can help it. But it can be a good time to introduce new poly partners of yours to the family if you're already have had that conversation with them and they know what's coming. And that comes with its own like trials and tribulations, Mm -hmm. but also potential awesome things. It just depends. My long-term partner's parents were totally cool with polyamory so that was awesome and easy for me I brought my 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 boyfriend and whatnot all the time to holidays at their house and they always treated him like family and I was very lucky in that regard mm-hmm. that obviously and uh, even recently I was asked by my family to to choose only one of my partners to bring to a family event and I was really hurt by that because you know as a poly person I obviously love all my partners and I wanted to be able to share that event with them Mm -hmm. and that was not allowed you know given the circumstance you know I wasn't hosting so that is a pretty normal thing I think that a lot of poly people have to go through is choosing like only one of their partners to bring as if only of our really only one of our relationships is legitimate yep so I think that's one of the main like concerns around poly in the holidays is having to do that. And and you mentioned a funny phrase of having to go back into the walk-in closet. Yeah, if you're temporarily having to <laughs> closet yourself either around extended right. family at your family, your primary family's behest or somebody within your family's request. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretending you're not polyamorous for a little while. Yeah, that's, that's sad. <laughs> while I'm out with the vast majority of my family, there are definitely times yeah. where my parents ask that I not talk about it or act like it doesn't exist. The funniest Aww. moment of that was one time I was at a lake house with 
three of my partners and yeah. and a metamor and uh yeah. you know when i brought up you know what it was called and you know how our relationship worked and not any sort of graphic details of that i was yeah. kind of hushed yeah yeah people tend to think of the sex first which is funny to me a lot of asexual people are polyamorous a lot of you know n not all poly relationships have to be about sex and poly literally means many loves you know yeah. polyamory so it is about like committed normal romantic relationships common common types of relationships just more than one but people always think about the sex first so you know i feel you <laughs> yeah and we saw that with the legalization of gay marriage uh, yeah a lot oh, of people yeah. focus on sexuality and not the relationship dynamic and i think mm -hmm. part of that may be due to how we quantify relationships as being heterosexual yeah. and homosexual even when they ostensibly also describe the relationship not just sexual but also romantic when talking yeah. about in layman's terms yeah but yeah back to what yeah. you were talking about with bringing your partners talking about your partners it can be very very difficult and delegitimizing for partners that aren't able to be represented or talked about yeah nor having to pretend to be the friend while you're visiting over for a holiday yep. <laughs> can be very difficult, very frustrating or demeaning. And that's something to be considerate of and to take into consideration. I agree. Anything else that we should really talk about in regards to those points of when to talk about it, what to talk about? I, I actually, I do have something I want to add that. Go ahead. It can be very easy to judo those awkward questions from family members about sex or your sex life. And I find that to be just point blank asking them, why are they asking about sex? I'm talking about a relationship. All, yeah. All or, you know, many adult relationships include sex or sexuality, but we don't talk about that. And especially around our family, we don't talk about that. Yeah, generally not. Um, and I, I do think it's, it's like an exotification of relationships that they consider alternative, like same-sex relationships or polyamorous relationships or whatever. Anything that the, the heteronormative world isn't used to, they tend to be like, oh, I bet you have sex. <laughs> I mean, probably, but this is none of your business, yeah. you know? And, yeah. you know, it can be very, very helpful to, if, if you're in a, in a safe space, to be able to ask them, what do you mean by that? If you are getting yeah. awkward questions mm -hmm. about, you know, in regard to your sexuality or something that might be racist or right. any of those things, I find it very disarming of the person asking yeah. the question be like, what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean by that? I love that question, too, because it puts the onus on them to explain their racist question or their, you know, like homophobic or the intent of what they're trying to get at. Maybe you've misunderstood yeah. them. Sure. Absolutely. But it is a great clarifying question because it really, instead of putting you on the defensive, it turns it back onto them to be like, okay, how about you clarify what you mean by those people or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. It can be helpful. <laughs> I think the holidays are often a pick your own, pick your battles type of situation for a lot of people, whether you are out, not out temporarily in the walk-in closet, got to have a walk-in for all those poly partners or, or what have you. So it's, you know, the holidays are often a stressful time for people. And I think that 
that is again why I, we don't recommend coming out on at the holidays, like at Christmas <laughs> or whatever. And it's because it it can make some people in your family feel uncomfortable if they've never had to understand or they have limited capacity to feel connected to polyamory, then their idea of what it is is probably going to be inaccurate. And yeah. that is going, it can be uncomfortable to kind of process a change in somebody's, somebody else's uh, relationship expectations, even though they have no right to, you know, cast those judgments and make you change based on those judgments, those feelings will still be there. And being aware of that and being cognizant of it being not the best time is, yeah. is good. And what, what we're going for, we're not saying you should stay in the closet because neither you or I are in the closet in nope. hardly <laughs> any of our aspects of life. Mm, nah. <laughs> yeah. And I know you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, boundaries with your family and like a little bit how that might affect your COVID bubble or like, mm -hmm. you know, how mm -hmm. those interplay. Why don't you talk about that for a little bit? Well, when we think about going home for the holidays, it's often to our parents or grandparents' homes. And I do think that there are generational differences that have come out this year regarding how people treat COVID, COVID bubbles, quarantine, and the whole pandemic. Yeah, it's become political, unfortunately. It is, I feel, political. I think it's it's life or death, you know, mm -hmm. and it's and it's economic and it's racial. It's affecting black and brown communities worse than anywhere else. It has to do with the fact that we don't have universal health care in America, et cetera. So it, I do feel it is political. And with generational differences, there can be a lot of conflict in that regard. But the co the whole covid bubble, covid quarantine concept reminds me of polyfidelity or fluid bonding or barrier free relationships or whatever you want to call them or uh, it, just the concept that I, I feel like when when people were when the pandemic first started and we started learning about how the virus is spread and how we can keep ourselves safe, it really does remind me of like just safer sex practices in a lot of ways. Like wearing a mask is a lot like wearing a condom in a lot of ways. Like it keeps you safer, it keeps other people safer. And the people that we choose to interact with without masks is a very low number for most people these days because we're we have to be selective because it is life or death and it is about health and safety and so it, i feel like poly people were already kind of prepped for this in a lot of ways like not that this makes it easier of course like we miss our partners etc but i think our brains were already kind of ready like we went oh okay this is just sort of like fluid bonding with a small group of you know two partners or whatever and now it's just a covid bubble instead but as for enforcing boundaries with family i think it's about risk assessment in a lot of ways mm -hmm. you know whether you can ask people how responsible they've been and whether you think that yeah. they will give you an honest answer yeah absolutely like do you trust them to you know it's not as easy to show well i guess covid testing paperwork might become more you know common maybe in the next few months until we get a vaccine that's widespread and whatnot but in a, in a similar way, polyamorous people often have like our STD testing results in our car, on our phone, in our Google Drive or whatever mm -hmm. to show to prospective new partners or whatever to show that we have been taking this step of safety. And in a COVID sense, I think that it's related um, because, as you say, it's about those those safety precautions that people do or do not take and um, whether we feel comfortable being around someone who hasn't worn a mask in months or 
mm-hmm. you know, or if we <laughs> or if we are tight, tightly locked down and, you know, wear a mask every single time we leave the house and whether we require the people that we might hug or be sharing a meal with to also follow those same precautions. So in a way, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of sexual health. Yeah, um, I think right at the start of the pandemic is when I did my interview with Sarah, who's the therapist. Right. And in episode two or three, her and I both talked about how polyamorous people were kind of ready for this. Yeah, In a exactly. way that a lot of people weren't. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think that's important to consider how responsible people have been with whether you're going to want to spend time with them and mm-hmm. or, or how you want to spend time with them. Like spending right. time with somebody digitally is still an option for a lot yeah. of families. Or outdoor events. Um Mm-hmm. You know, depending on where it is, how much people are touching, how many people are wearing masks. Those are all factors now. Yeah. It's been a wild year. <laughs> now, we also want to talk a little bit about what it might be like to have different religions among your shared partners. Yeah. I am a, a staunch atheist, but uh, very compassionate and don't think that that makes me that that allows me to be a jerk about other people's beliefs. Sure. And I yeah. know you aren't part of any sort of mainstream religion. Would that be fair to say? I think that's fair to say. I'm pagan. I'm a pagan witch, have been for over a decade and probably always will be. And it suits me very well. And my partners have been atheists and Jewish Catholics and other pagans, mostly. So all over the place. Obviously, a lot of people in America celebrate Christmas as not even specifically a Christian holiday, but sort of like a cultural. Yeah, it's it's definitely more of holiday. a cultural event than it is a religious event. Yeah, and but you, you can you can you can uh, fight with me about that. Oh, I, okay. The way I have seen it expressed throughout my entire thirty some odd years on this planet is definitely more of a cultural thing than a a celebration of the religion. Yeah, actually, I was just um, telling one of my partners about Christmas celebrations in Europe and how they kind of differ from here. And the Czech Republic, where I grew up, is like a 98% atheist population, but Christmas is a huge deal. And the imagery of like baby Jesus and angels and devils and stuff is really common, but it's more symbolic than anything. Mm -hmm. Like baby Jesus brings you presents. That's how it works in the Czech Republic. So it's very like... I guess secular in a way um, and symbolic rather than being about like the birth of a religious figure. So, but um, I celebrate, you know, like the main eight Wiccan Sabbaths, which are the main widely recognized holidays in a lot of paganism. I've been lucky to have a lot of partners who either are also pagan or are perfectly happy going to those rituals with me. Uh, So that's been cool. And my Blood family is extremely Christian, Southern Baptist, and that definitely leads to some differing views. And I am definitely the rainbow sparkle sheep of the family uh, and tend to be the weird one in every way. So I think that they're not surprised in any <laughs> for any of this anymore. I think that as you say, as you insinuated, it's important to to respect other people's religions and other people's beliefs as long as they're not hurting anyone and that of course is debatable because religion and and war for example often go hand in hand in a mm-hmm. lot of ways for a lot of larger patriarchal religions monotheistic patriarchal religions anyway i have a lot yeah. of thoughts about that as a pagan <laughs> well i've i've had the luck of having different 
religious beliefs among my partners. Mm -hmm. And, you know, dated somebody who was of the Jewish faith, at least Mm -hmm. uh, through their family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would text them when it was, you know, the beginning of Hanukkah. And, uh, you know, and it's just being supportive of people where you can, participating where you want to and where they want you to, I think are all just easy guidelines to follow that can help you navigate a lot of those problems. Go yeah, figure. Polyamorous podcasts are telling you to talk about it, but <laughs> <laughs> communication. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. And as long as the religion isn't being actively harmful, it, it it can depend on how you practice it, of course. And there are many different types of Islam, many different types of Christianity, many different types of paganism and Judaism, etc. So. Mm-hmm. It is a very individual situation a lot of the time. But I used to go to mass with my Catholic Jewish partner, and that was always interesting. <laughs> Wait, they were both Catholic and Jewish? Yeah, he was Jewish through his family and Catholic by choice. So he celebrated oh, okay, okay. both. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and like as a witch, you can absolutely be like Christian witch or a Jewish witch or a Muslim witch. I know people of all those types. So I, there are definitely ways you can splice and dice these religions together. <laughs> Well, I think that's about wraps up for this episode about the holidays and polyamory or ethical non-monogamy or other non-traditional lifestyle or relationship styles. And uh, if you guys have anything you want us to talk about more, hit us up. All of our contact information is in the show notes. And we'll be back with another segment in a moment. This is Kevin. This is Elizabeth. And this is the Less Than 83 Podcast. Welcome back, Elizabeth. Hey, Kevin. So today we wanted to talk a little bit about dating your friends. Yeah. We talked a little bit in previous episodes that you and I are both oftentimes dating our friends. So we wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the practical application of that habit. Yeah, (laughs) habit. (laughs) I like to think that... Strategy, dating strategy. Yeah, strategy, yeah. (laughs) I like that, actually. Um, I do tend to select my partners from my friend group. I feel like I have pretty good taste in friends. So, you know, like those of us who seem compatible as potential partners of more than platonic relationships, I feel like that's a good selection to choose from, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So what are some of the, the benefits of dating your friends? I feel like you already have a base of knowing that you have things in common or, you know, hobbies or interests, whatever makes your friendship a friendship. And I think that's a good basis for more of more different kinds of relationships. So basic compatibility, really. (laughs) And it also means that you are able to take an existing relationship and change it a little bit. And sometimes that can be an easier transition in going from complete stranger to love struck fools. True. Depending on the person. True. Yeah, I feel like uh, if I, 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 you know, I can't even think of a time when I've dated someone who was a, really a stranger. I feel like I wouldn't have enough time to build up even an interest in them if I didn't already know them a bit already. So, again, benefits of dating friends, I already know them, their personality and things that I already like about them. So, yeah, it's different. Um, I think there's less pressure, especially in polyamory, when you date your friends or sort of select partners from your friend group because it's not like... 
we, we don't have to go up the relationship escalator of, you know, friendship, dating, fiance, married, children necessarily with every relationship in polyamory because you can choose. So, but in monogamy, that tends to be expected. And in monogamy, you kind of put all your eggs in one basket. Like, so if this friendship turned romantic relationship doesn't work out, then like, you know, you got to start all over again. But in polyamory, it's like you can date multiple people at once, obviously. So it's to me easier because it's like you don't have to have all the expectations of you know marriage life partner nesting partner or whatever perfect sexual compatibility etc on a single person so less pressure definitely and i want to kind of bring in my biggest example of what it was like to date friends i think because it yes. kind of covers two sides of of the coin so my longest partner and currently only person i'm dating right now any sort of serious capacity like official relationship status capacity <laughs> serious business yeah is is somebody who was originally a friend of mine and before they were a friend of mine they were a childhood friend of my at the time partner mm -hmm. and so i was dating this person and me and their friend really got along really well we would go to the bar together and try to wingman for each other our yeah. official relationship <laughs> strat uh, status was bros we were like, you know, because I very much had put her conceptually as outside of who I wanted to date because she was a close friend of my partner, especially like a childhood friend of my partner. Mm -hmm. What made you uh, hesitate in particular about that? Just so we're, we're like putting it out there. I was concerned that if things went bad with the new person, that it would negatively impact the relationship that they currently have. You know, there's mm -hmm. more... There's more of a close-knit relationship there where I could negatively impact somebody else's valued friendship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I wanted to take extra caution there. And as time went on, her and I started becoming interested in each other romantically. And I approached my partner at the time. I was like, hey, I, I'm very much interested in dating this person. What are your thoughts? And, and mm -hmm. she thought that it really wasn't going to be a big deal and that mm -hmm. I should have the freedom to go and date that person. And lo and behold, it's been the most valuable romantic relationship I've ever had in my entire life. Aw, I love her too. <laughs> she, she's that's a sweetheart. Great. She is. That's, that's, that's a good story. I like that. I feel like I've dated a lot of my friends. You know, the, the communities that I run in are pretty, you know, colorful. And so I feel like we... <laughs> We have fun. We we have similar interests. We have a cool community. And so, of course, I'm going to be compatible with some of those friends, you know. So, And I've stayed friends with a lot of my exes. We're going to talk a little more about de-escalation. De but, you know, most relationships end in some fashion, right? And, you know, that's just part of natural com compatibility or lack thereof or people changing, I feel, in life. But... Not all relationships have to end badly, and many of them can go back to friendships. I'm friends with, like, three ex-girlfriends that I can think of at the top of my head. And I feel like if you have the compatibility and communication skills initially, it probably speaks better to the potential de-escalation of the relationship back to friendship if that's the choice that y'all make, you know? Do you have—while we're talking about it, do you have any recommendations for— de-escalation or anything that you feel like is important to keep in mind if you're 
needing or wanting to transition into the opposite side of dating your friend to de-escalate back into that friendship? Yeah, definitely like being upfront, I think, about what you want out of that friendship, you know, that friendship post-relationship, because different people have different boundaries and different takes takes us different amounts of time to heal depending on why the breakup happened to me it usually falls into one of two categories like did we break up because of a a deep-seated moral incompatibility or <laughs> you know that doesn't happen often to me but if it is like 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 if a partner cheated on me I feel mm -hmm. like that would be hard to get over and forgive and I, I wouldn't be inclined to be their friend again after that because that betrayal is deep in friendship as well. So, you know, it's bad in romantic relationships too. But um, but if it's like just an incompatibility, like, oh, they, they want more of a sexual relationship, I want more of a romantic relationship, or we don't have compatible schedules or whatever, or love languages, then that there's no one at fault there. And I feel like it's easier to deescalate if it's, um, if you still have those compatible, like, values, you know? And you mentioned it briefly, but I kind of want to highlight one of the biggest aspects to me that have really helped me be able to deescalate some of my relationships back into friendships was to uh, give myself and the other person enough time. Mm -hmm. And what considered enough time really wildly varied. And yeah. I think expressly saying, hey, I need time to mull this over and mourn the loss of of what was our romantic relationship and giving a time frame for when you want to circle back or mm. if you're yeah. the person doing the breaking up and it really isn't going to be as emotional of an issue for you then you can offer for them to reach out to you when they are mm -hmm. ready i like that that can um, be a really good tool to help you're definitely right and i have heard a couple times that it takes half as long to get over the relationship as the relationship was long. So like six year relationship, it takes you three years to get over it. And that's obviously not universally true, but I think it is indicative of the fact that, you know, the longer the relationship, the more difficult it might be to adjust back to life where that's different or not the case anymore. So you're right time. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I'm so impatient. It's hard for me to do that, but I, uh, I agree. And space and, and boundaries are very important. You know, sometimes you have to be like, hey, I want to deescalate. I don't want us to do X, Y, Z together anymore, but I do want to do, you know, ABC. And that can be a good way to be like, our friendship is not over. We're still going to, you know, get together for sushi every month or have a Zoom call on Fridays or whatever as friends. And it can be awkward, you know, to readjust back to non-romantic non-sexual dynamics but you know it's just it's just one of those things that happens a lot and it's totally doable it's totally doable to be friends with your exes especially in the poly community like our exes are everywhere <laughs> it, it feels so much different in of my friends that are polyamorous i will often be trying to set up friends if i know that they might be good together Whereas formerly in life, I used to have rules and expectations on my friends back when I had only monogamous relationships, you know, mm -hmm. almost my very early adulthood and um, my, my young adulthood. I very much didn't want my friends to date my former partners. I didn't mm -hmm. want to date my friends' former partners. So there was a lot more 
out there. And it was it was very interesting. I remember reading a discussion on a forum and somebody was talking about, hey, is this situation kosher? And their description was very much about how their partner was wanting to date a childhood friend. And in that moment, I realized that like, if somebody wanted to date one of my childhood friends, I would probably want to talk to them. Because you Where, feel like that that relationship with your childhood friend is like, you know, longstanding and intimate. Yeah. And because there there is risk when you start dating within a friend group to cause mm-hmm. drama. Mm-hmm. And I think <laughs> there is. And I think more so the feeling is there for me from those long term friends because they're, you know, I grew up with them in a monogamous context. And maybe right. it's because I have different adult relationships now. It's It's hard for me to unpack but I knew that that feeling was there. And so the way I expressed it to the person in reply was that I, I never even thought about this before, but I would want to have a conversation with my partner about dating my childhood friends and like have them really walk me through what they're feeling and make sure they understood what the risks were to possibly that relationship with them. Whereas with any of my adult relationships, I don't really think I would have that conversation. I would have that conversation if somebody wanted to, like one of my partners wanted to date my other partner. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's yeah. not an automatic no, but I want to, I want to talk about it. Right. Because it's already someone in your intimate circle, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I can understand that. I feel like my childhood friends are in some ways like a more innocent time, <laughs> even if though we've all grown up into adults with our own interests and whatnot, there is sort of a different category that they can fall into sometimes. So I get that. I, I think it is, you brought up the fact that like in monogamous culture, it's tend to be like frowned upon to date your friend's exes. It's like really off limits culturally. It's not even talked about necessarily, but if it is, it's like aggressive. <laughs> um, and that just isn't the case in poly culture because we all do tend to know each other from similar communities. Most poly people in a local area tend to know each other. And there is a lot of dating crossover because there are a lot of options and there are a lot of poly people. So that you don't have to put those monogamous limitations, but it can be tricky. Absolutely. And I feel like it's a complicated web at times, but you got to have those communication skills at Definitely. least. <laughs> yeah. And I know we did want to... Before wrapping this up, make sure we covered some of the green flags and red flags yeah. of what it might be, what what you might want to consider or, or things to look out for when you're wanting to transition a friendship into possibly dating somebody. Mm-hmm. So red flags for me definitely be if the person is monogamous or formerly monogamous and they're just dipping their toe in or trying out monog or they're trying out non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. then that is a red flag. It doesn't mean that they're it's going to fail or it's going to be bad. I've dated people who identified as monogamous and had uh, healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. And some of them continued to be polyamorous after me. Some of them decided to go back to monogamy and felt like mm-hmm. it was more of a, a thing that they could have or you know not have in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, if all of the decisions that are driving you towards this are being made with your pants and not your head. Yeah, that can be a problem. Then, then that, <laughs> Then, then that's probably a red flag if you're if you're able to conceptualize. I mean, I know in my life, some of my relationship decisions have been made by my pants. Sure, sure. And, <laughs> but it, it's the fact that not all of those decisions should be driven by the pants. Yeah, I agree. Um, although I would say that if you already have that base compatibility of friendship, 
then mm-hmm. there's at least that level. It can't be strictly physical because you are, you actually know their personality and consider yourselves friends. So yeah. that's not always a bad thing, but definitely like don't make a decisions with a uh excitable pants situations that's for sure i try to <laughs> follow that too <laughs> our, our next band will be called excitable pants situation <laughs> another red flag that we had kind of identified was jealousy or envy among their view of friendships mm-hmm. yeah. whether they're kind of possessive or maybe want to keep you out of those friend circles during dating mm-hmm. or even like maybe even keeping you secret Mm, mm. like keeping keeping your dating status secret from your mutual friends can be a red flag that can be a red flag because if your friends would disapprove maybe you should think about that (laughs) because if they're your friends you probably respect their opinion at least to a degree and you might want to know what your friends are seeing that you don't want to look at um so that's a very good point so uh flip side of that green flags yeah Do you have any off the top of your head? Yeah. Again, I think I've said kind of in different ways a couple times, like if you're already friends, then you have certain levels of compatible interests, hobbies, communities. So that's good. Um, That's which is part of why I date my friends. Other green flags would be uh, consistent, non-aggressive, you know, nonviolent communication, basically an ability to check in and be like, hey, this is what I'm desiring these days. What do you think? And that should be in any relationship, in my opinion. And the ability to communicate well in friendships is going to translate well, probably, to communicating well in a relationship. I also think that a good green flag is being able to talk about it, uh, the transition openly. Yeah. If it's a very much feels like a will they, won't they, Mm -hmm. and that you're too afraid to talk about it, then maybe that's not such a good thing. So like the ability for you guys to be able to acknowledge that you're, you're sharing these moments that are starting to border on not only friends, right. if you're able to acknowledge it and uh, contextualize what you guys are wanting to get out of it, I think is really important. Yeah. Being able to talk about the consequences is a good green flag. Yeah. Honestly, I've probably not done that as often as I should in my relationships. I do this in all of my relationships, really? whether I'm friends with them or not. I try to say like, hey, what do you want a breakup between us to be? Oh, geez. Like in the first <laughs> few <good>. days. <laughs> I know. That's intense, I, it, Kevin. <laughs> I... I am the person who is famously asking people, what are your intentions on the first and second date? <laughs> I like it. Get open communication. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Pointed, pointed open communication to put people in mostly a joking way, kind of on the back foot. Right. <laughs> and also uh, a good pro is being able to have the same or similar uh, social circles. It yeah. can make socializing really easy. It can mean... That, like you had said before, you guys share hobbies and values, and that kind of all flows into the same thing there. Yeah, I agree. And then nothing wrong with having different friends from your partners, of course, or like your own friend circles. But I do think that being part of the same kind of social communities can be a good sign for a relationship. All right, everybody. That's it from us for right now. What do you think? Do you think that dating your friends is a good idea? What are your experiences with us? Please reach out to us and let us know. We want to hear. And if you send us a memo on recorded on your phone on a voice app, then we might play your response on air. This episode was edited by Jackson Menton, music by Antilude, and logo designed by Carmen Bolding. You can find us on Twitter, through email, or on Reddit. 
To submit your questions or to recommend topics, please reach out to our contact info in the show notes.